Hi, I'm Madhuni Krishnan, editor of Airline Weekly, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. This podcast is the audio from our weekly live streaming interview series, which we air every Monday at noon Eastern at forum.skiff.com. Join us for the weekly live stream. We'll take your questions live on air. And if, of course, if you prefer audio, we'll always be podcasting the Airline Weekly Lounge at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge live live stream. I'm your host, Madhuni Krishnan, the editor of Airline Weekly, and I'm joined today by Julie Kais, Vice President for, for, <laughs> Vice President for Global Air Partnerships for Expedia Group. Good morning, Julie. Good to have you here. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, it's our pleasure. And as a reminder, this is our last podcast of the year. Julie, thanks for joining on the last podcast of the year. We will pick up the live stream again early next year. Um, this also is the last, um, today was the last issue of Airline Weekly for the year. The next issue will be dated January 11th, and we want to wish everyone a very happy and healthy holiday season in this this most tumultuous of years. And let's, uh, here's hoping for a better 2021. Julie, once again, thank you for joining us. Pleased to be here. So, you know, the Airline Weekly Lounge live stream, as you can probably imagine from its name, is, uh, is, is, is mainly listened to by folks in the airline and airport industries. Uh, so Expedia is, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to have someone from Expedia. You're the first uh, uh, sort of OTA or, or travel company um, uh, executive we've had on the, the live stream. So I'm thrilled to have you on, but it, it is a little bit outside our wheelhouse. And I just, you know, uh, so, uh, it, it, I think you know this would be really great for our listeners to hear your perspective on on air travel and the recovery, um, and so I wanted to get started with uh, talking about sort of Expedia as a technology company. I mean, Expedia collects a huge amount of data, um, and I wanted to to ask you first, like, how, sort of what what role do you think do you see technology playing in the restart of global air travel? Uh, yeah, I think technology has a, a really important role to play in, in the restart, especially as we've seen airlines reduce their headcount, um, as, as we've seen them focus on other things, as their, as their, their, their financial situation is, is still re relatively unstable. We can be in a position to help them by driving demand and to remove friction from the traveler experience through that. So well, when you say removing friction, what can you go, I mean, Sure. Remember, uh, we talked to airline nerds here. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that all these airlines know is that they've got a lot of outstanding credits. Millions of them are sitting with consumers. So mm. on our leisure side, we've invested in technology where our virtual agent platform will allow customers to come in and redeem those credits in a really painless way, which is really important for those customers who are maybe less frequent travelers. And by doing that through technology, it reduces the calls to the call centers for the airlines who don't really have the resources to manage to the same mm. extent that they did before. It reduces calls to our call center and it just makes it a, a much more, um, uh, I don't wanna say pleasurable, but it's like, it's a, it's a frictionless experience for the customer to redeem that credit and to get back in the air. Mm. Um, on the corporate side too, you know, you think about travel managers and while you and I might have three or four travel credits apiece, a travel manager might have thousands of credits for their clients. And so we've created technology to help them manage those credits in the future and to redeem them when, they're, when their travelers are ready to fly again and to understand how much that opportunity exists for them. Okay. So there's a few other ways um, technology is really important. And one of them is around the change fees. 
So as you know, many of these airlines have gone to no change fees for standard economy tickets in the future. Uh, But actually right now, there's no change fees for almost any ticket because everything is travel with confidence. You can get a credit if you're not ready to travel, et cetera. So what we've done is we've implemented filters and badging on our sites to make sure that customers know that. And when airlines as part of recovery revert to basic economy economy being non-refundable, then we're going to be in a position to also show customers what they get if they upsell into a standard economy. So that's gonna enable uh, a faster recovery for airlines who'll be able to yield at a better rate. Okay. Um, Let's talk about data. I mean, a a company like Expedia. So let me preface this a few few months ago, I was speaking to um, to an executive at AirAsia who Mm -hmm. said uh, something that is painfully obvious once she said it, but was, uh, was something I'd never really thought about in my head, usually wrapped around chasm and rasm. Um, and that's, you know, AirAsia is transforming itself into sort of a data platform or a travel platform because they collect so much data from passengers. Um, Expedia, you know, this is this is AirAsia writ large. I mean, Expedia collects reams and reams of data from, from all, its, all its users. And so how, how do you deploy that data to, uh, to sort of restart the airline industry and, re, uh, and facilitate the, the return of global travel? Well, um, one of the things that we do for our airline partners is we have a, a self-service portal where they can go in and track their own airline's performance on Expedia sites. They can see what their market share is relative to their competitors. They can see what their prices are relative to their aggregated competitors so that they can figure out, are they competitive or not? Um, These types of tools are super intuitive, easy for them to use. We've made them available to um, revenue managers at our airline partners, to our local, our day-to-day commercial teams, our sales teams, et cetera, so that they can make good decisions about what, what we're seeing in the Expedia store. We also, during the course of the pandemic, we shared with several partners lodging information. So as we started to see lodging, particularly vacation rentals, which is one of the first areas of of the travel industry to to be bumped up, um, we were able to indicate to airlines, this is where demand might be coming from. And several of our airline partners utilized that data to look at their network development decisions. Uh, Do they wanna stand down uh, flights or do they wanna bring them up? Mm -hmm. Um, So the more that we can provide information about demand, and where customers are searching, the more that can inform our airline partners. The reality is if you're a revenue management professional today, everything you used to do, all of your conventional wisdom, all of your historical data, it doesn't matter because this is a brand new world we're in. And so the more you can get data from different sources, different partnerships, like with Expedia Group, who have, uh, you know, we work with 500 different airlines. And so we've got a lot of insight as to what not just your customers are doing, but what your potential customers are doing. Hmm. Um, that's gonna be particularly valuable as, as airlines look to come out of this. Interesting, so, so you take the data that you collect on search, <clears throat> trout search um, on booking trends and you, you, you send that to your, your air partners, correct? Yeah, we, we make that available to them um, through mm-hmm. our, our, our partner's uh, central tools. Okay. Huh. And so what are some of the trends you are seeing right now? So we're seeing um, on the leisure side, uh, on the domestic side, uh, travelers are searching. Uh, a, it's kind of inconsistent, to be honest with you. It's, uh, it goes up and down. Um, we see that when there's good news about things like vaccines, we suddenly will see a, a big spike in, um, in searches, especially mm-hmm. to international destinations. Because the thing about this news around the vaccines is it really seems to 
light a fire of anticipation. Uh, there's so much pent up demand. Right. Um, we see when Hawaii uh, opened, you know, even uh, I guess conditionally with the, uh, the testing requirements, we saw people rush in. 8,000 people went to Hawaii on the first day that they were able to. <laughs> wow. uh, in Cancun, when, the, when, when Mexico was first opened, um, they had so, such a record-breaking day that first weekend that they reopened a terminal. So the demand is there. The, the, dream, is not, the dream isn't dying. Mm -hmm. One in two people in our survey, we've surveyed uh, said that they want to travel again. And so mm -hmm. um, there's a tremendous desire for it. And people never stop dreaming, even at the lowest point of the pandemic when global air travel was 95% down, people were still searching and still looking and, try and dreaming of their next trip. So, you know, I saw that news that Expedia put out uh, the last couple of days about one in two, two passenger, uh, people are, are say they want to travel the next 12 months. Um, the, the question I have, and I, I, you know, I've spoken to some European airlines that say, we're not seeing a lot of demand close in. We're seeing people search and look for trips next summer. Are you seeing similar trends? Um, we are seeing uh, some, some trends for next summer, particularly, um, you know, but the people who are booking do tend to book in much closer at this point, oh, wow. okay. um, right. you know, to try to, to try to get ahead of whatever, whatever restrictions, whatever lockdowns might happen is they're waiting mm -hmm. until the last minute. And the thing is that right at this moment, you can get pretty decent prices, even if you book kind of late in the game, because um, the demand just hasn't been there as much. Hmm. Uh, not recommended for holiday periods or anything hmm. like that. But if you're uh, if you're traveling in mid January, um, there's probably going to be some really good deals out there, even if you book late. And are you seeing sort of uh, is there are there trends sort of let's break it down by geography. Where are you seeing the most activity for search? Yeah, I, I think that what we see is primarily um, in the domestic markets. So, you know, we're a global company. And mm -hmm. when we talk about domestic, when I say domestic, I mean, France domestic, US domestic, um, a lot of the, the US never really closed down to the same extent that Europe did during the initial lockdowns. People were still traveling to a much lesser degree in the US. So um, we are seeing still a, a lot of interest in domestic or in places like Europe, short haul, you know, intra-regional. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, people aren't necessarily taking those really long holidays from the U.S. to Asia. Um, but interestingly enough, one of our one of the destinations that popped up as a highly searched um, destination for the U.S. was the Maldives. So huh. uh, that is, I, I guess, people are dreaming big. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's very interesting. That's a, <laughs> I dream of the Maldives, so I don't I blame them. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Can I keep dreaming of places like the Maldives and French Polynesia? Um, <laughs> In terms of demographics, I mean, in the prep for this, uh, before before we went live, you and I were speaking a little bit about some of the demographic differences you've seen, or, or some of the things you've you've gleaned from your air partners on yeah. uh, the the changing passenger mix. So one of the really interesting things is that because it's so skewed towards leisure, uh, the the percentage of people who have a frequent flyer card has um, has gone down significantly. So right. airlines are are either going to try to get more people to sign up for their frequent flyer programs who are flying right now, or um, they're gonna have to figure out different ways to market to those customers. One of them uh, is a little self-serving plug here through OTAs by having your best inventory and your best rates available for, for OTAs so that people can see them when they're, when they're willing to travel because they're not necessarily loyalists. Mm -hmm. who I always fly such and such an airline. Um, th this is a, a new 
a new target. The leisure customer is a little bit more brand agnostic. Yeah, so that you know that that I was speaking to someone in American a few weeks ago about about this very issue about how they they had to pivot some of their marketing to to young, mainly younger people or first time flyers um, who are sort of the young invincibles, I think she called them, yeah. that, that are traveling now, right? Yes. Um, these aren't your road warriors who have, you know, brand loyalty, et cetera. But how, how does an OTA, I get how an airline would pivot its marketing. How does an OTA aid in that effort or sort of um, sort of augment the airline's um, marketing and target to the, uh, targeting uh, these new travelers? Well, there's a lot of ways that we're trying to do that. One of the things, um, if you watch US American TV, is you probably see that uh, all of our brands, uh, Expedia, Hotels.com, mm -hmm. uh, and Verbo, we're all we're advertising broadly on the TV. So um, we're trying to keep that dream, that that wanderlust alive. <laughs> uh, we have other other supporting marketing vehicles like podcasts of our own, where we try to encourage people who are willing to travel. We know that it's not for everybody. Not everybody's going to feel comfortable. I took a flight. Um, I've not I, I don't think my asthmatic mother is probably going to take a flight anytime soon. But that's okay. Uh, we want people to travel when and where they feel comfortable to do so. Mm -hmm. And there are people who are starting to do that. And more and more will happen over time. Right. So that that is. Uh, I'm, I'm going to like branch off a little bit here um, and uh, and talk about. Uh, you know, how do you make people more comfortable to travel? How, what, what do you do to yeah. build on that confidence? Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. And I, I think, first of all, I, like I said, I flew recently and it was the first time since February. Um, and it's a big psychological hurdle to take yeah. that very first flight after all of this. Um, I was greatly comforted by what I think is very compelling science about safety on board the aircraft. Um, the airlines have done a good job of getting uh, the, the the preconceived notion that air is recircled with recirculated within aircraft and so therefore it's very germy that's actually the exact opposite of what happens with right. the HIPAA filters um, and so they've done a good job with that we need to do more we need to work uh, as an industry to make sure that people understand that um, one of the other things that we've done within our own site is to highlight those health and safety features that the airlines have uh, that they're promoting and one of the interesting things is that people are interacting with the health and safety uh, as much with that filter as much as any other filter on the site, including nonstop, which is our traditional huh. biggest filter. So right. there's a keen interest in people understanding that. Um, when we had, when, when most of the airlines were offering blocked seats and that's the blocked middle seats, mm -hmm. it's kind of starting to, to wind down now. But we were seeing that those airlines who had those blocked middle seats were securing a premium for that. Interesting. So customers are, this is an important thing and customers are willing to pay a little bit more. Um, I, I know on my flight, I, uh, I splurged, I, I bought a first class ticket because I was like, all right, fewer people, fewer people walking past me, you know, I can board last and I can get off first. And, uh, and so I think that people are going to be willing to put their money where their mouth is, as far as safety and security is concerned. Yeah, that is actually, that's really interesting. You, you're sort of, you brought uh, brought to life something I heard recently on a, um, uh, the Lufthansa's earning call and Karsten Spoor said they're seeing a lot more leisure travelers in first business class, which is, uh, which is you know, a remarkable difference from the before times. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's affordable. So if, yeah. if you have the means and you're traveling, um, it's definitely something I encourage people to look at the premium 
uh, cost. I, on my particular flight, it was a schedule change and it got downgraded to an RJ. And usually in days of the days past, I'd be really upset about that. But I was right. like, oh, cool. There's the one seat on the side, you know, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, so you see, so um, you're seeing a lot of people interact with the health and safety filter. What, what other trends are you seeing from that, the health, besides middle seats, what other things are, um, are trends have come out of that? So, um, you know, there's a lot about the cleanliness of the aircraft. And I can tell you as a 25 year veteran of the business, I've never seen airplanes and airports as clean as I did last week. Right. And I hope that that's a trend that continues well past the pandemic, frankly. <laughs> right. um, you know, but there's also uh, pros and cons to it. One of the other things I observed is that they, they had a drink service, but they handed it out a small bottle of water and some Biscoff in a Ziploc baggie. And mm -hmm. at the end of the flight, the Ziploc baggie gets thrown away. So right. um, all, what we need to do as an industry is make sure that all the work we've done on sustainability, it doesn't go the wayside. It's obviously necessary for now to have all these single use plastics, right. but my hope is that we'll get more momentum on that. So there's, there's pros and cons to these safety measures. It makes you feel reassured, but then on the other hand, you're like, oh, one step forward, two step back as far right. as the environmental uh, concerns are. Yeah, well, I hope that that is a temporary thing. I mean, one of the things, you know, I've, I've talked to a bunch of people in the industry who said the cleanliness is probably here to stay and uh, which is good, right? Um, touchless is is the, that's here to stay, like all the touchless um, sort of- Which is great tech, because is who great. wanted to touch those screens before right. anyway? I know, I know. <laughs> Be interesting, like, you know, biometrics and see, we'll see how that plays out. But, um, but if biometrics can make this, the, um, the screening process faster um, just going forward. That, that's, that's definitely one positive that will come out of this. I think the other thing that's really positive, and we found it within our own business as well, is that when faced with an adversity like this, how fast, how fast things can be delivered. Because usually airlines move a little slower as far right. as innovation and um, new technology, but the speed at which they got the touchless technology out and deployed, the speed at which they, they changed their cleaning, that that's tremendous. And I think that hopefully um, we won't, as an industry, revert back to old behaviors in the, in the future and we'll just keep that momentum going very strong. Right. Now, you know, um, I wanted, you know, so there's been a lot of talk about le the leisure traveler and how that market is coming back faster. You know, as you mentioned domestic people taking big, dreaming big for their vacation to the yeah. Maldives, et cetera. Um, there's been a lot of doom and gloom about business travel corporate mm -hmm. travel. I mean, a lot of companies right now are simply not sending employees out on the road for liability reasons or, you know, uh, for ver various reasons, yeah. keeping their employees safe. Um, and they're, they're, you, you hear people say, now, I'm old enough to remember when email was going to kill um, corporate mm -hmm. travel. I'm even old enough to remember when the fax machine was going to kill corporate travel. Yep. <laughs> Just barely. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, there, there's mixed. I mean, I heard... Ed ba I, I did an interview with Ed Bastian a few months ago, who sa and he said, there's, there's a segment of that business that is just gone. Yeah. But then Scott Kirby said, you know, the first person to lose a sale because he, it was a Zoom meeting rather than an in-person meeting, that's the end of Zoom, right? So, um, so I'm just trying, I mean, what, is your, what are you seeing in terms of corporate um, yeah. travel now? Well, right now you're right there's very little of it um where there is corporate travel um we're seeing it from the small to medium enterprises 
So Expedia Group has a TMC, travel management company, uh -huh. uh, as part of it called Agencia. And um, our footprint is kind of hybrid. We have some big companies, and then we also have uh, a, a lot of small to medium enterprises, which is one thing that the airlines really value from us because it's not business that they can typically go after themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're they're the ones who are traveling, and it, it, it makes sense, right? If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a growing business, you have to get in front of your clients. You have yeah. to be uh, always hustling, um, and so that's the segment that it's come back the quickest. And probably there's fewer concerns at the that level with liability because they're smaller enterprises. Sometimes there's single proprietor, or the, mm -hmm. the owner who's doing the traveling. Um, so we're seeing more of that. We're seeing some of the bigger companies where they're like energy companies or healthcare companies, but generally speaking, it's the, the foot soldiers, the folks right. who are going to work on oil rigs. Uh, it's not the executive white collar folks who work for these big companies that are doing the travel yet. Um, and a lot of this is tied to what I think, I think Festive Road is a consultancy that calls it permissible travel. Hmm. And it's all about how do you restart travel in a way that is um, is safe, but the company has a lot of control over who goes where. Um, and so a lot of the investments we've been making have been around approval processes and adding in particular um, exclusions for more locations, uh, perhaps having two level approvals before people can fly. So um, there's a, a lot of that. It, it, the travel managers are actually looking to add a little bit more friction into it so that they can restart their programs in a safe fashion. Right. Um, my personal view is that it's it will come back. It will be a lot slower, um, but you know this is fine. Podcasting over Zoom is that makes perfect sense. Uh, the Skift Forum, the Expedia Group Conference, it's just not the same when you don't get together. Uh, you don't have the opportunities for networking, meeting meetings. You know you can't have those side conversations in the hallway that are so right. productive. Yeah. So I I genuinely believe in business travel as as a, a an impetus for growth. And so I do think it will come back. What are your predictions? If you, if you had to look into your, um, into your crystal ball, what are your predictions for corporate travel next year? I think one of the big things that's holding back corporate travel as well is, is return to office. So mm -hmm. as we see more and more people coming back to offices, then we'll have more and more reasons to travel. And so I would tie, I would think you, that would be a key indicator for when corporate business is gonna come back, when you see people widely back in offices. Huh. All right, so we're probably we're thinking the the middle to second or third quarter of next year. Yeah, it's hard to predict. Right. <laughs> um, I, I think leisure is going to recover much much faster, uh, but corporate will come back. I think IATA's got some very pessimistic views yeah. that it's you know three four years down the road, um, and, and maybe that's true for it coming back at the full level it was, uh, but. It, it will come back. I, I, I don't believe that Zoom is the end of corporate travel at all. Yeah, well, email, email wasn't, right? So. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, frankly, Zoom has existed for some time That's true. up to now. So it's yeah. not like it's a, a brand new concept, this video conferencing. No, absolutely. I mean, it is, it's, a, it's a tool we're all using more now, but it has existed for years. I mean, we've all yeah. FaceTimed with our moms, right? So exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> when she can figure out how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that, that is interesting to see what, to hear what you are thinking about corporate travel, because it's just, there is a lot of doom and gloom. I mean, you're right. IATA says 2024. I think Lufthansa said 2025. I mean, it's definitely going to vary by region, right? Um, yeah. Delta, Ed Bastian told me um, he doesn't know what 
where IATA is getting its numbers because he's think it'll be he thinks it'll be earlier than that. So it, I, you know, there's just a lot of re regional variety in this. Um, I guess you know, in the time we have left, I wanted to ask you just really quickly about um, where sort of where we talked about consumer confidence a minute ago, but um, just just what do you think it'll take to make people go back to the travel again? Is it the vaccine? Is it is it when do you think this pent up de demand we're hearing about will just burst forth? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, the vaccine is certainly helpful and it definitely is, uh, it unlocks the, the feeling of possibility amongst people. Uh, obviously there's a lot of logistics in getting that vaccine out. Um, there'll be a, a lot of uh, work with governments and uh, other entities to get borders open and to get quarantine requirements lifted. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think there's still going to be a lot of work before the gates are fully unleashed. But mm -hmm. we know that there are people who are lined up at those gates, like we saw with Hawaii, like we saw with Mexico. Um, you know, I, I think I just heard that the UK opened it up to Canary Islands. Yeah. So I would and expect a lot of, yes, yes. Yeah. So so it's it's almost like if you build it, they will come. Um, people are people are dying to get out of their houses, honestly. I mean, yeah. I live in Miami and I've never, I'm, I'm so sick of Miami. <laughs> all of my, all my business said. associates are like, oh, when this opens up, we'll come for a meeting in Miami. I'm like, no, no, because no, I have to go somewhere. Right. <laughs> so um, it, people, there is this strong desire by humankind to move around. Um, and hopefully in the future, what we'll do is we'll move around with purpose and with gratitude, because we know what we've missed, and uh, and we'll be really grateful for the opportunity to do it. All right, and uh, <laughs> I guess my final question: I lied earlier. Um, <laughs> where, what, how is Expedia positioning itself to capture that 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 uh, resurgence in travel? Yeah, I mean, what we're we're doing is is really working to use our technology to transform and to remove those barriers, um, to make sure that people can make informed choices as borders open and they decide they're ready to go, that they have the information about the health and safety, about flexibility, um, to, to get them access to great prices. So working with our partners to make sure that they know where that demand's coming from so that they can match it. Uh, lining up hotels and, and air together to build packages that are gonna be compelling for people. Um, all of that, plus the work that we're doing on the corporate side to help our travel managers as they reboot their travel programs, mm -hmm. to give them those insights as well. Um, all of that, all of this, I think, is is supportive of the industry as a whole recovering. And you know, 2001 after September 11th, 2008 after the economic crisis, airlines really were able to lean on OTAs, and mm -hmm. I fully expect that to be the, the case this time, and for us to really work in partnership to do that. Interesting. Well, Julie, Julie Kais, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. It's uh, my hope, pleasure. I hope we can do this live stream in person someday. I do too. I look forward to that. And to our listeners, um, as I said, the, um, <clears throat> the video replay of this will be available later uh, on, on airlineweekly.com. Um, the audio podcast will be distributed um, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is our last live stream of the year. So Julie, thank you so much for, for joining us for the final 2020 podcast. Um, I know this is not the year anyone wants to celebrate, but I want to thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you and happy new year and goodbye to 2020. Goodbye to 2020. <laughs> and uh, to our to our subscribers, uh, 
Today's issue was the last issue of the year. The next issue will be dated January 11th. So we will see you in the next year, in the, in the new year. Happy holidays to everyone. Stay healthy and, uh, and we'll talk to you in 2021. Goodbye.